listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Three enemies that fasting destroys. Of course, we're here we are um, in the third day of our fast. And um, as I said this morning, we are now one-seventh of the way through the fast. It helps to count in fractional math. One-seventh of the way through the fast. It makes you feel like you're doing something big when the fraction's there. When you say day three of 21, then you're like, oh my God, I've got all these days. But when you say, I'm one-seventh of the way through the fast, you feel really good about it. And so that's where we are. Uh, congratulations on making it to day three. And um, thanks so much. It's the Speak the Word Only Miracle Word Church mug. Thanks, Frank. Love you, buddy. Um, <laughs> Julie said, I just said that fraction to Austin. See that? There's others getting on my fractions. There's others counting by fraction, okay? Um, that's true, Leslie. God is moving mightily already. And um, we've got some things happening I'm excited to announce soon. I'm not announcing them yet, but I'm going to announce them soon. Very excited about it. Uh, let's jump into this. If you guys don't have a copy of Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting, there it is. Bam. You need to grab yourself a copy. Um shop.miracleword.com also hang on the combo 21 day fast field guide complete guide to biblical fasting um if you registered for the fast we sent you in an email another coupon code on top of what's already in the store gives you a full ten dollars off the combo bringing it down to of is it 20? It's down to 20? What is it? Is it 30 without? I can't remember. Um, normally, if you bought both these books separately, it would be $30. We give it to you for 25 But if you registered for fasting, we'll give you both for 20 What? $14.99? No, it goes to $20. I was going to say, I can't give these people that good of a deal. There's no way I'm discounting it that much. Not even for the Victory Tribe. I worked hard. No, I'm kidding. Um... Chris said, I have, I've got all your books. I'm glad. Thank you for saying that. Um, yes, we're just getting started and God's already moving, Gina. God's already doing things. Um, but if you don't have this, it will help you immensely. This will guide you right through the fast for 21 days with teaching, uh, prayer points, Bible reading plan. But I want to hit this with you tonight. If you have your Bible, first John chapter two, I'm talking about three enemies that fasting destroys. You know, we talk about multiple times throughout the fast. What's the purpose of fasting? Why are we fasting? And we know when I was growing up, you'd hear this often. You know, the only thing fasting does is um, it, it just it subdues your flesh. It puts your flesh under. That's not the only thing fasting does. It's not the only purpose of fasting. It's not the only purpose of fasting. Um, you know, there's people that say, well, you know, fasting doesn't change God. Nothing changes God, actually. That's why the Bible says, and God spoke and said, I'm the Lord, your God. I don't change. I don't change. Uh, Jesus Christ, the book of Hebrews says, is the same. 
yesterday, today, and forever. So of course not. God doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. Their character and their nature is the same. But, but, though they don't change, they're not showing the same actions or revelations to every person. That's something you have to recognize. Because in their unchanging nature, God has made up his mind to react to faith and to react to faithfulness and diligence and dedication. That's why we have so many verses of scripture talking about the fact that when you're faithful, diligent, dedicated, God moves on your behalf. So that's one thing fasting does do, which is why I put the, uh, the subtitle of the book as master the habit that provokes God's favor. Because by fasting and prayer, you can provoke God's favor upon your life. There's no question about that. You, you can't read through the Bible and think that that, doesn't, that that doesn't ring true. Old and New Testament. When you fast and pray, you can provoke God's favor upon your life. No question. And so, yes, God's nature and his character never change, but he's not reacting the same way to everybody. He's not reacting the same way to everybody. In fact, your faithfulness, your diligence, your dedication makes God's eyes find you on the earth, the Bible says. And of course, I'm referencing 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse number 9, where the Bible says the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth, and he's looking for people whose hearts are loyal towards him or turned toward him on whose behalf he will show himself strong and mighty. So God's not showing himself strong and mighty on everybody's behalf, only those that he finds whose hearts are turned toward him. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 84 and verse 11, God will not withhold any good thing from who? Everyone? No. From those that walk uprightly. That's diligence, dedication, faithfulness. Right? What else does the Bible say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Are they added unto everybody? No, only for those that seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. There are so many scriptures I could take you to to prove and show you God's not treating everyone the same. Does he reward everyone? No. No, he does not. Hebrews eleven six, He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So God's looking for people that are seeking him actively. Fasting and prayer are two ways to show God, I am actively seeking your presence. I'm actively seeking your face. And when God sees people that are faithfully, actively seeking him, he rewards them. Now, let me just show you something as I'm talking about that reward. Go with me back real quick before we get into, uh, put your finger in 1 John 2 and jump back with me to Matthew chapter 6, because I want to show you something. When I'm talking about reward, Jesus said this. It's talking about fasting and prayer and giving, but look at, look at this. First, let's look at Matthew 6 and verse number 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Go down to verse, um, verse 17, same chapter, Matthew 6, 17. 
But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Verse 18, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. One translation says will reward you openly. So notice, God's not rewarding everyone the same, those who are diligent, those that are pressing in. There's a reward set aside for diligent, faithful people. There's no question about that. So when you receive a reward from God, that is a practical example of his favor being provoked to your life. When he rewards those that diligently seek him, that's a practical example of his favor being poured out on your life. So... I had somebody write me today, and maybe we'll do a broadcast, um, maybe tomorrow night. This would be something good for tomorrow night. I'll do a broadcast tomorrow night where we answer questions, a frequently asked questions uh, broadcast, and then I'll let you guys ask questions live, and we'll answer them regarding fasting and prayer. But I had somebody write me recently, uh, earlier today, and they said, I had a kind of an issue because um, I was at work, and my boss wanted to buy everyone lunch and have everyone in the office eat with her for her birthday. And I didn't want to lie, but I also didn't want to, I didn't know how to get around it because I know we're not supposed to tell anybody we're fasting. And of course that thought process is coming from Matthew chapter six, but remember the context of Matthew chapter six, Jesus is comparing his instructions to what the Pharisees are doing. So what are the Pharisees doing? Well, let's read. It'll show you, it'll help you to understand this. The Bible says in verse uh, five of Matthew six, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. There it is. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. So they're doing it to look holy right? The Pharisees would stand out on street corners and pray and use all these different words and they'd be flowery with their verbiage and they'd do it in the synagogues so everybody could see that they're people of prayer. God said, I can see what they're really doing. They just want to be seen by men. That's their reward. What people think of their pious outward appearance is their out. That's their reward. I won't reward that because it's pride. Same thing with the fasting. If you go down at verse 16, he says, and when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. That's why he said, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. You're not supposed to go around, oh, I'm so tired. I just want you to know we're fasting at our church and oh, we love the Lord. I'm really pressing in, but it's hard on our bodies, brother. Stop going around, you know, false humility or pridefully letting other people know that that's what he's talking about. People bragging about their fasting. I don't know if you know this. I'm on the 18th day of a, of a fast. I'm telling you, my God, no, it's not, we're not bragging about it. We're not doing this for street cred but to be rewarded by God. So don't feel bad, especially, I said this at the beginning of the fast, you know, we understand if you're doing personal fasting throughout the year, personal times uh, by yourself of fasting and prayer, you've decided I'm going to set myself apart. I'm going to seek the face of God. Then it needs to be kept more of a secret. You don't need to be telling everybody, Hey, I'm on a fast for the next three days. So please don't try to contact, just do it. But when we're fasting in January, a lot of times Everybody knows what everybody's doing because it's a corporate fast. We're all fasting. We all know each other are fasting. Now, here was a different concept because um, this woman was at her job and it was her boss 
uh, buying lunch for everybody, wanting, wanting her to eat with everybody. I don't know if her boss is a believer or not, but there are certain situations that you're going to get placed in where you're not, God doesn't want you lying. You know, um, you could, you could just simply say, um, you know, I'm, I'm preferring not to eat right now. Um, I've got something going on in my life where I'm not, I'm not eating in, the, in, in right now or whatever, whatever that might be. Uh, but you don't want to lie about it and come up with some story as to why you can't eat the food or whatever. But there are going to be some times where just you get put in a position where you kind of have to let people know, hey, I'm not, I'm not eating right now. But that, that's different than bragging about your fasting. That's different than, and then walking in pride and doing it in front of people and looking disfigured and praying. And it's, it's not the same as what the Pharisees were doing. So that, that's a little bit taking that passage out of its context because Jesus, the issue he was really addressing was pride, being seen by others. Be, trying to look pious in front of everybody that that looks at you so that you can gain some kind of credit for your you know uh, holiness or whatever that is but there are just times that you have to simply let people know because people will let me tell you if you don't know this by now I'm sure you'll find out people press you man hey we're all going out uh, to Buffalo Wild Wings after you want to come with us no thanks I'm gonna go back why why can't you come you know you need to come why don't what's, your, what's the problem you on some kind of diet or something and there's people that just keep pressing you and pressing you until you say, like, listen, our church is fasting right now. I'm not eating right now. So it's not that you're prideful or anything like that. It's just that sometimes you have to let people know what's going on, you know? And it's true. Uh, Tammy writes in the comments, you can almost count on something happening. You'll get invited or given stuff to eat or whatever that might be. That's why I put at the very beginning of the book um, that there will never be a convenient time to fast. It's the first big quote at the beginning of the book, right before chapter one. There will never be a convenient time to fast. You have to dedicate your time to the Lord. You have to. There will always, she's exactly right. There will always be a birthday party. There will always be a special staff dinner. There's always going to be someone inviting you out or come to my house or we made extra, um, you know, whatever. And it's always going to be something. You just have to make up your mind I'm dedicating my time to the Lord. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God's face. I'm going to have miracle signs and wonders in my life. So you just have to make up your mind that I'm giving, I'm giving this time to God. Um, back to um, 1 John chapter 2 where I had you start. What's up, Chris? Love you, man. In 1 John chapter 2, I'm going to read you uh, one verse, and that's verse 16. Three enemies that fasting destroys. Fasting and prayer destroys. Um Let's read this verse 16. For all that is in the world, this is 1 John 2, 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so I want to talk to you uh, in this broadcast about three enemies that fasting destroys. And uh, Jesus had to face all of these just like we do. Jesus had to face all three of these. But one thing I want you to know ahead of time, think about this. It's interesting to think, and I wrote this in the book, it's interesting to think about the law of entropy. The law of entropy that uh, simply stated any system that is is 
left alone with external uh, influence or interaction will fall to a state of chaos. It doesn't go to greater order. It goes to greater chaos. A perfect example of this is, um, I put in the book, if you go to the beach and build a sandcastle and leave it on the shore, if you come back three days later, the sandcastle is not going to be more intricate and more greatly designed. It's going to be either washed totally away or it'll just be kind of a mound of sand. Why? Because that's how it works. The law of entropy, things fall to chaos. If you go to see an uninhabited house, go to a house that's not been lived in for five years, you go inside, things aren't going to look more clean than when the last owner left. It's going to be dirtier. There's going to be, you know, spiders with webs everywhere. There's going to be stuff that's not been touched. It falls to chaos. Look at a yard. You go out to somebody's yard at their house. I'm from West Virginia. There's people that didn't cut their yard for five months. Grass is growing up everywhere. There's weeds everywhere. There's stuff growing up the side of the house. Well, you left your grass alone. It didn't cause your yard, your, your yard to be more manicured after five months. It was less. It looked out of order. That's what happens. Anything untouched goes out of order. And that's the same with your life. That's why, and I, t- I teach this often, and it's extremely important when we're teaching fasting and prayer. Self-control is the most important fruit of the Holy Spirit, without question. Self-control. Because if you don't use that fruit of the Spirit and you allow your flesh nature to just coast, it will coast down into disorder and not into greater order. If you just do what your flesh wants, untouched, don't let your spirit control or bring parameters, you will coast into a place of disorder, not a place of order. And so that's why it's so vital that we stand in the power of the Holy Ghost and we walk in self-control and we set parameters to do what the Bible says to do. Even Jesus had to do this. Jesus didn't just coast through life. He was tempted in all points as we are, the Bible says, yet without sin. So what did Jesus have to deal with? He had to deal with these three enemies in the same way. We can see it in Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4 is very interesting. And I'll, and I'll use that uh, Uchenna actually because it brings to my memory a story uh, that I had. Um, yeah, the Bible says without prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Those are the more modern translations. People perish, the King James, but it really is the people cast off restraint because if you don't have something you're pushing toward, then you'll just do anything. But it's like when I talked to that guy that had been signed by the NFL and I asked him about his diet and I asked him about if, uh, the team had a specific weight that they wanted him to be. And he said, absolutely. I have a nutritionist. I have somebody that gives me my workouts and a a, a trainer. And when I come back to training camp, if I'm playing this position at this certain age, if I'm not in the weight, uh, the small little weight bracket that they want me to be in, they start fining me tens of thousands of dollars for each pound I'm over or each pound I'm under. Fining him tens of thousands for his weight. Why? Because there's a purpose on this man. The team signed him to do a job for a specific position and they want him at a certain weight for his height and his age. And if he's not going to do that, what's he doing? He's casting off restraint. There's nothing to restrain him. If he wants to eat three pizzas, he'll eat three pizzas. He's not going to stop. There's no reason to restrain himself. But because he has a purpose, 
There's a reason to restrain. There's a reason to set those parameters in place. I'm not going to eat three pizzas. I'm not, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to take my supplements. I'm going to focus my mind. I'm going to get plenty of sleep, drink plenty of water. Parameters are set. Why? I've got a purpose. And so without prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. You know, there's a reason we're restraining ourselves to not eat for 21 days. Why? We have a vision for what God's going to do in 2024. If we didn't have a vision, if we had no expectation, we'd go on eating with everybody else. We'd all be eating right now or whatever, snacking, sitting on the couch, watching Netflix and, you know, crushing that extra caramel popcorn left over from Christmas. <laughs> yeah. But we have restraint. Why we have? Why do we not cast off restraint? We've got a vision. We've got a prophetic vision. We're headed somewhere to accomplish something. And as we do, God's going to use us. So as this self-control sets itself in motion because we yield to the Holy Spirit, and I'm not preaching some self-help thing tonight. This is the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. He empowers me to walk in love when I don't feel like walking in love. He uh, empowers me to have joy when I don't feel like having joy and peace when I don't feel like having peace. Amen. That's what the Holy Ghost does. So he also empowers you to walk in self-control. You are not a slave to your flesh nature. Your flesh nature is a slave to your spirit man. But if your spirit man doesn't take control, your flesh will do whatever it wants. Just like when parents don't give their kids a bedtime, kids will stay up as late as they want and just be doing whatever they want, running around the house and it's still one in the morning. Why? Because there, no, there was no bedtime given. There was no bedtime given. Well, how much, you know, it's like we were, we were just kind of like uh, shaking our heads the other day because the kids were at the hotel where we set up for church and they were making hot cocoa and they dumped all of these packets of sugar I mean, like tons and tons of packets of sugar into their cocoa at the hotel because nobody was there to stop them and say, no, you don't need that much sugar in your cocoa. And they're throwing up everywhere because there's way too much sugar in the cocoa. Why? Nobody restrained them. There was nobody there to cut it off. And so you've got to be the one that's there to cut it off. I am setting parameters. I have supernatural restraint because I've got a purpose and a vision on my life. Jesus had a purpose. Jesus had a vision on his life. And so he defeated these three enemies through fasting and prayer. And notice when the devil attacked him. Isn't it interesting? When Jesus' flesh was its weakest. Go over with me to Matthew chapter 4. This is when the devil came to attack. When Jesus' flesh was at its weakest. That's why I always tell people this, and you need to hear it too. Don't make important decisions when you're tired. Don't make important decisions when you're, the devil's trying to stress you out or you're naturally stressed out. Don't make important decisions when you're not at the place of strength. Get through every temptation and make decisions out of peace. Make decisions out of strength. Amen. It'll help you for the rest of your life. Don't make quick flippant decisions because you're you're freaked out you're anxious you're stressed don't do that it'll always end up being the, the wrong decisions so don't allow yourself to do it jesus just stuck with what the bible said 
He was at his weakest point. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. And the Bible says, and afterward he was hungry. Let me tell you, he wasn't a little bit hungry. He was a lot hungry. Don't eat for 40 days. It's not like he was just like, well, I'm just going to have juices and naked drinks and maybe I'll have a coffee. He was in the wilderness. He had water. He had water. And he, 40 days, he ate nothing. He was not a little hungry. He was very hungry. And here comes the devil to attack at Jesus' weakest fleshly point. And what does he do? It's interesting because the three things 1 John 2.16 just listed for us are the three areas the devil attacked Jesus. Have you ever seen this before? The three areas 1 John 2.16 mentioned are the three areas where the devil tempted Jesus. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Notice that. Those are the three enemies fasting and prayer defeats. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. And then I'm going to give you a fourth desire at the end. A fourth desire. A fourth appetite. Look at this now. The Bible says that when Jesus was being tempted, the first thing that the devil did is he showed up to tempt his flesh, the desires of the flesh. And in Matthew chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says, And after fasting, 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now see, Jesus was in the wilderness not to eat, but to eat spiritual food and to receive something from his heavenly Father. So here comes the devil. First temptation is the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh. Anything the flesh desires in excess, the Bible says that you can walk by the flesh or you can walk by the spirit. There are things that your flesh really wants. Your flesh wants to oversleep. But the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, a little folding of the hands to rest, a little sleep, a little slumber, and poverty will pounce on you like an armed robber. Hallelujah. Absolutely amazing that what your flesh wants, it wants an excess. Hmm. Uh, Tiffany's asking in the comments, why is there a separation of day and night? Wouldn't that just be 40 days? Well, one of the reasons it could be, Tiffany, is because there were places in the Bible where people only fasted during the day. And what we're doing uh, during this fast, there's some people joining us on a 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. fast, or what the Bible just called a sunup to sundown fast. We're just kind of making it easy for people to remember six to six, but the book of judges, there's multiple places in the Bible where people only fasted in the day and they broke the fast at sundown. And so the Bible's telling us here that Jesus did not do that kind of a fast where he just fasted from the sun up to sundown and then ate something 40 days and for 40 nights. It was total fasting for 40 straight days and nights, letting us know that he didn't break at any point in the evening and have meals. No, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. It was a total fast. It was not a partial fast. So he went in for, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Glenn says that's where the term break uh, breakfast or break fast came from. 
that you haven't eaten through the whole night and now the morning comes and you're breaking your fast with the first food of the day. And so, Obina and, and those that have questions, and that those are good questions, but I would like you, if you would, to just save them because I'm going to take all questions tomorrow night, tomorrow night, and, and take the time to answer frequently asked questions and also your questions live. And I think it'll be very helpful for people. But Tiffany, I hope that makes sense because that's what that's what Jesus, the Bible is telling us Jesus did total morning and night, no breaking through the 40 days. But the first thing the devil did is come and said, if you're really the son of God, take these stones, turn them into bread and eat them. What was Jesus' response? I love this. Jesus' response was this. He said, it is written. Notice he always answered from God's word. He always answered from God's word. It is written. What is it written? Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds or comes from the mouth of God. One thing I taught earlier um, not in one of these sessions as we've started the fast, God's word is spiritual bread. Put that in the comments tonight. God's word is spiritual bread. Jesus said, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. Well, if you want to know who the bread is, the Bible says in John 1, 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word. The word is the bread that has come down from heaven. So Jesus is saying, I need the words. The bread I'm looking for are the words that come out of God's mouth. That's what I'm looking for. The words coming out of God. I need spiritual bread. That's why we're giving you a Bible reading plan so that you ingest as much word as you can get into your spirit during these 21 days. Because you're not just not eating, you're eating spiritually. You're eating spiritually. You've pushed away the natural plate and you've pulled up the supernatural plate and it's time to eat spiritually like you'd never have. God's word is spiritual bread. And it's alive. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. John 6, 63. The flesh profits nothing, but the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's word is spiritual bread. And Jesus said, I need the bread coming out of God's mouth. I live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds or comes out of God's mouth. So the first temptation comes to try to drag him into the desires of the flesh. Jesus resisted it. First enemy down, power through prayer and fasting. Do you know Jesus gained supernatural power to be manifested after his prayer and fasting? The Bible tells us so. Luke 4.1. He was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. But he returned from the wilderness full of the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Led into the wilderness full of the Spirit, came out of the wilderness full of the power of the Spirit. What changed? 40 days of fasting and prayer. Jesus not only resisted, but had total victory over the enemy in times of temptation. Your flesh is going to pull you. It wants to, wants to, wants to do things. It wants to have things. It wants to go. You know, to the point up, to the point being, 
I mean, literally, that's why I told you, if you've read this, if you've heard me teach on it, I used to hate fasting. I mean, I hated it. I hated it with all my heart. I'd put on a disguise and go to the other part of town and go get food. Hopefully nobody from the church saw me back in the day when I was on staff at my uncle. Hated it. I didn't understand the power of it. I didn't understand the why behind it. And my flesh was crying out, give me food. I want food. I want food. And I'm telling you, Christina knows Taco Bell was my greatest. For some reason, two things get me really, really hardcore. If you're talking about temptation, first of all, the smell of Taco Bell gets me. Like temptation city. I know that that's not gourmet food, but to me it is. And then number two, for some reason, cold Chinese food. If it's, I don't know why, if it's left in the refrigerator, cold Chinese food is like, it's like the devil himself looking out of a cardboard box at me, but it's actually lo mein that's been sitting in the refrigerator. <laughs> I heard about that. Jonathan was telling stories about me. I had forgotten we were on a fast, okay? Can a guy forget? We were like two days deep only, and I had found myself in the Taco Bell drive-thru. I called him up. I was like, man, have you tasted this new quesarito from death? This thing is unbelievable. He's like, yeah, I'll tell you why it's so delicious. We're on the second day of a fast. I was like, oh, Lord, can't believe I forgot that. Can't believe I forgot that. But you know what? We all deal with something, amen. We fall down, but we get back up. Hallelujah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> We fall down, but we get up. Okay. Um, the second enemy that is, oh, no, don't. Today in the, in the field guide, Erica said, talked about the BK stacker. I forgot that story. Listen, I didn't even include that whole story in this field guide. It's today, today is day three, right? Oh, man, the quad stacker. I forgot. They've done away with that. They've, they've done away with that, I think, at Burger King, if I'm correct about this. The quad stacker, four beef patties with bacon cheese and their unique orange sauce that somehow brought heaven to earth. Oh, yeah. Bad move. I ended a fast with that. That was my first meal after a fast. Let me just tell you something. We will specifically, that's why I put it in this book and this book, how to properly break a fast. I will also be talking about it on the broadcast at the end of this fast, please be careful. Do not come on. If you fasted the whole 21 days, I don't mean if you break it, if you broke every night at six and eight meals, you're fine. But if you've been fasting 21 days straight, let me tell you, guard yourself, guard yourself. Don't do what I did. Don't make the mistakes I did. I, I, I will be reminding you again at the end, but your flesh desires. It's like, Man, your hands, maybe not yours, mine, so badly want to turn into that drive-thru when the smell of that food comes through the vents of your car. It's, it's on another level. But you have the desires of the flesh. Sometimes it's not food. Sometimes it's other things. Sometimes your flesh desires to oversleep. That's why Proverbs talks about it. Your flesh doesn't want to go in and do what it's called to do. Get up and start the day and be diligent and be faithful. Your flesh, you don't just let your flesh have what it wants. You overcome it and you put it under, like Paul said, I put it under on a daily basis. I pummel my body and make it a slave, making it do what it should, right? Because your flesh can't rule you. The desires of the flesh bring death. The desires of the spirit bring life. Hallelujah. Um, 
Greg Robb said, I, a question I did the fast last year was fine. Got lightheaded in the afternoon. Any suggestions? Drink plenty of water. Drink electrolytes. Drink electrolytes. Those of you that are um, part of the Facebook group, when I get home tonight from this broadcast, I'm popping all those products in that I have that I use. I want you to see it because it's important. You're, normally your body gets, you can't just drink water only because you'll wash the electrolytes out of your body and then you really will get lightheaded. So I'm telling you, if you're going to fast for an extended period of time, drink electrolyte packets in your water or drink electrolyte water because your body needs it. The more you sweat, the more you live and do whatever you're doing at work and all that, you're losing that. Every time you urinate, you're losing more of that. And if you drink more and more and more water and you see that bad boy coming out clear, let me tell you, you need to replenish those electrolytes. And I'm not joking. Because if you are going to go for 21 days with no food, that's right, Julie, of Athletic Greens, what they now call AG1 and electrolytes. Uh, Dr. Berg's are great. I've used those for a long time. Um, but it's very, very important that you replenish the electrolytes every single day because your body needs salt and other things, magnesium and other, other things that are there, potassium, that need to get it into your body. And it's very important when you're going to go this long without eating because normally obviously we get most of our electrolytes from our food and the things that we eat but we're not eating so uh but don't do that curry goat joe spence don't do that whatever you do with the rice and peas don't do it don't do it it's not good it's very bad all right desires of the flesh number two second enemy desires of the eyes put it in the comments number two desires of the eyes Desires of the eyes. It's dangerous. That's why, listen to the book of Proverbs, chapter 4 and verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Watch over your heart. In fact, let me read that to you. Where's my, uh, I'll just pull it up on my phone. I, I had my new living here in front of me last time, but I'll pull it up on my phone. Listen to this. I always found this to be an interesting one uh, in the New Living Translation, the way that they rendered it. Proverbs 4.23, New Living. The Bible says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That's a good way to say it. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, you've got five senses, but really only about only two of them need to be in check to guard your heart. You can see things, you can hear things, you can feel things, you can taste things, you can smell things. But for the most part, what fills our heart is the things that we see and hear. Amen. I know all five senses play a role, but for the most part, I'd say 80-some percent of what you need to do to guard your heart is done, maybe more, through your eye gate and your ear gate. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't say we walk by faith and not by taste. We walk by faith and not by smell. <laughs> I've never had any scent throw me into a spirit of unbelief. <laughs> I smelled that and I started doubting God. <laughs> There's no smell that has ever put me into a place of where I was tempted to doubt the word of God. I'll tell you, I tasted that. 
and I just begin to doubt God's word, taste and smell. No. But let me tell you, when I say about that, sight and sound make up the majority, sometimes touch, sometimes what we feel, things we feel. You may feel something in your body. Oh, what is that lump? What is that lump on my shoulder? What's that lump? In and, and you start to feel something that gives you pause. I don't know what that is. And it starts to try to bring fear, anxiety, doubt, unbelief. But a lot of times we're being marketed to all day long. The things we see, we see, we see, we see. The things we hear, the things we hear. That's why, uh, you know, how do you get thoughts? The thoughts that come, things you've seen before, things you've heard before. And all of a sudden, I mean, you probably remember when you were a kid and somehow maybe you were at a friend's house for a sleepover. It was something your mom and dad would have never let you watch. And all of a sudden you saw a scary movie that you would have never been allowed to watch at home. And as a kid, you saw that scary thing that none, nothing like that had ever entered your mind before. And you're like, what in the world? Now you're at home trying to go to sleep in your own room and you keep seeing that thing. Every time you close your eyes, you think it's in your closet. Well, what's the deal? You didn't have any of that before. But then something entered your eye gate. Something entered your ear gate. And then all of a sudden, it started affecting your mind. Why did it start affecting your mind? Because you saw something, you heard something that you'd never seen or heard before. And as a result, it started to affect your mind. The majority of what we deal with is what we see and what we hear, and it must be guarded. The things that enter our heart come through our eyes, come through our ears. Sometimes what we feel, but what does it do? It provokes thoughts. So you have to take control. You got to can take control of yourself. <laughs> That's true. Derek said in the comments, that was you watching TV at my house. That's actually true because Derek lived about four houses, five houses down from my house in Ida Mae, West Virginia, and that's exactly right. Derek's telling the truth. And so it's true, and you gotta guard yourself because all of a sudden, you've got things that you've seen, things that you've heard. That's why I caution people. If people are always thrown off watching the news all the time, you know, scrolling their Twitter. I mean, what's crazy to me is that psychologists have now had to come out with a new term called doom scrolling. It just hit my thing again today. I was going through, another article popped up. Why? Uh, Specialists are saying now you're doom scrolling. It's sucking you in now with artificial intelligence generated content. It's starting to suck people in more than they ever have before, because here's what takes place. If you didn't know this, let me tell you what's happening so that you can guard your heart. Now with AI generated content, the algorithms are better. What they know what we want to see. Think about this. If you're on TikTok, if you're on Instagram or whatever, and even if you're on YouTube and, you sc and you're scrolling and you even pause for a moment on a video before scrolling again, it logs that information and knows there was something about that video that grabbed their attention for a few seconds. We need to show them more videos like that. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, all of your recommended for you is people cooking hamburgers and eating lo mein in different, I'm just, I'm being transparent with you right now. It's all basically people making steak sandwiches. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's what ends up happening to you. And then you go on and you have all these things and you're blown away. How in the world can I go to my homepage on YouTube and every single thumbnail is something that I would like to watch because they know, because they're tracking it. 
And they're now with AI generated content, it's going to get better and better and better and more engaging and more engaging and more engaging. And the times that you spend on that device and looking at that screen are going to go higher and higher and higher because they know how to keep you right there. That's the whole point of those companies. That's, that's exactly what they want to do. And so, as a result, the things we see and the things we hear begin to govern our hearts, govern our hearts, govern our hearts. I told a story years ago about how I was, uh, I went to Blockbuster before they went out of business and grabbed a DVD because I thought it was just a documentary about my favorite place, McDonald's, but it wasn't. It was a dude doing a documentary about how bad McDonald's is for you. And so I turned it on. The, the documentary was called Supersize Me. And he had this idea that he was going to eat McDonald's four times a day for an extended period of time, see what it did to his body. The problem, though, is I'm sitting there watching him eat all my favorite things at McDonald's, and I'm getting hungrier and hungrier to the point where I paused the DVD, got in my car, went to the drive-thru, got two cheeseburgers with a large fry and a filet of fish sandwich, four nuggets with barbecue sauce, and to keep it healthy, a Diet Coke to polish it all off. Brought it home, unwrapped it all, put it on the ottoman, and pushed play while eating my McDonald's that I just went to get. I couldn't stand it. I watched it for like half the movie, and it, it moved me to action. Look at that. It moved me to action. I'm just being honest with you right now. It moved me to action. That's what happens to everybody is that the things that they ingest move them to action. The things they believe, the things they think, move them to action. <laughs> Julie said, what, no apple pie? I've never been a massive fan about, of the McDonald's apple pie. I'm going to get off food, Ryan. I'm going to help everybody right now. But I'm just telling you, uh, it's, it's what goes in your eyes, it's what goes in your ears, and then it fills your heart, and then it governs the course of your life. And that's how it works. And so the desires of the eyes, that's where people, they start to fall in love with things. Watch this now. And then they get a love of money and a love of things. And then what the Bible tells us is, is that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil because people fall in love with money and success and want more, more, more. And then they're willing to do anything necessary to go get more. They'll cheat people. They'll embezzle. They'll, they'll whatever. Why? Because they have this desire, their eyes have seen, I want that thing. And now I'm jealous for that thing. And now I'm envious because that person got that thing. And that per I want that. How come I don't have that car? Where's, and all of a sudden the desires of the eyes, why do you think we're marketed to so much? Cause they know if we can show them, show them, show them, show them, show them, they'll want it. They'll want it. They're experts at making next year's model just a little bit different. Doesn't even have to be better. Just has to be a little bit different. And then all of a sudden, you want that new thing. They put out the new car. You had the one from two years ago. They changed the body style a little bit. The body style looks cool and new and different. It's not necessarily better. It's just different. And then everybody knows. What do they know? You're driving the old one. Oh, man, I don't want the old one. I need the new one. I need the new one. But, but the iPhone 15 does the same thing as the iPhone 14. I know, but it's the 15, though. I got to have it. I got to have it. How, how else is my video content going to look so stabilized? I mean, and they know how to market to us. They know exactly how to market to us so that we feel like it's gone in our eyes and our ears. We've got to have it. It didn't get in our hearts till it went into our eyes and our ears. And Jesus was tempted in the same way. What did the devil do? Satan came to him 
And what did Satan say to him? To, to, to tempt him with the desires of his eyes. Look at it. Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he, notice what he did. He showed him. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. It went into Jesus' eye gate. Look at all this. Look at all the kingdoms. Look at their glory. I will give you all of these if you fall down and worship me, Jesus said. Uh, the devil said to Jesus. And Jesus said what? Let's go there. Jesus said, it is written. There it is, answered by the word of God again. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. In this place of prayer and of fasting. See, you, you might ask yourself, even though he was in a weakened state, you might think, now I want to make a distinction here because you might think, well, no, the way that Jesus defeated the temptation was by responding with the word. No, it's not just by responding with the word because there are people who know the word of God and they don't respond with the word. So what was the thing that empowered him to respond with the word? The word of God kept the temptation from overtaking him, but what empowered him to respond with the word rather than just falling into the temptation? I'll show you. Put your finger in Matthew 4 and jump, jump over to Matthew 26. This will be an eye-opener for you. Matthew 26. And let's go to verses... Uh, let's go to verse 41. After he woke his disciples up because they were sleeping. Shawnee, this is live. Um, because they were sleeping. Notice what he said to them. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, verse 40. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me even one hour? Now look at this, 41. Watch and pray and pray and pray, why? That you may not enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, indeed, but the flesh is weak. So notice what Jesus himself said, what it, what's the cause of it? He said, if you'll pray, if you'll watch and pray, that's what empowers you to not enter into temptation. There it is. Watch and pray and you'll not enter into temptation. Whew, hallelujah. So the th what did Jesus just get done doing? 40 days of prayer and fasting. He was fully, though his flesh was weak, his spirit was ready to combat temptation. It is prayer and fasting that empower you to combat temptation. Glory to God. Watch and pray. And this desire of the eyes. Notice, the devil knew what to do. First he tempted his flesh. Then he tempted his eyes. Next thing he's going to do, he's going to try the final one, the pride of life. And pride's dangerous, man, because it can sneak in. It can sneak into, and then it goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So here comes the devil. Pride's got what is what got the devil kicked out of heaven. I will ascend into heaven. I'll be like the most high. I'll sit on the throne. I'll, God said, you won't. And launched him out of heaven so swiftly that Jesus said in Luke 10, 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Fall like lightning. God smacked him so hard he fell like lightning from heaven. No second chance. He's gone. Rebellion and you're gone.
No one's going to take God's glory. Pride is dangerous. Pride is dangerous. Listen to Acts 12, verses 22 and 23. The people were shouting, the voice of God, not a man, about a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck King Herod. <laughs> and he did not, because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Took God's glory, God struck him down. He was eaten by worms. Isn't that interesting? That's New Testament. It wasn't the devil that struck him down. The Bible says immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down. <laughs> an angel of the Lord. Well, God doesn't do that stuff. Now we're in the New Testament. Oh, really? Here's the New Testament book of Acts. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Listen to what Peter said. 1 Peter 5, 5. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud and gives more grace to the humble. Amen. If God's fighting for you, nobody can be against you. So the final attack Satan brought to Christ was the attack of the pride of life. Notice how he tried it. Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Listen to what he said. The devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So notice now the devil's going to a different level of temptation because now he's using scripture against Jesus trying to manipulate scripture to use it against Christ to cause him to kill himself. Notice what, notice what the Bible says. And Jesus answered so perfectly, so very perfectly. Um, go with me to verse 7. Jesus said to him, again it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall not put the Lord your God, to the test. Hallelujah. And he answered perfectly. You know, there were people literally during COVID that were saying that uh, you shouldn't go out. Christians shouldn't go out. You shouldn't go into crowds because, and you. And, and the guy wrote a whole blog post. I, I couldn't believe it. I read it. He said, you know, uh, stop quoting Psalm 91 over your life because the devil tried to quote Psalm 91 to Jesus and Jesus rebuked him for it. It's like, no, there's a difference. Get this in your heart. Now there's a difference between me claiming I'm fine to go out. I have a healing covenant with God. I have a healing covenant. Stripes were taken upon Christ's back to purchase my healing. I can go out and believe God for healing in my body and to keep me healed and whole. It's a whole different thing if I go to the top of the Empire State Building and say, I'm going to jump off because I believe God's a protector of his children. It's, it's stupid. You don't put the Lord your God to the test. Healing was purchased. Gravity was not canceled at the cross. Gravity was not canceled at the cross, but healing was purchased. And so that was an absolutely foolish thing to write in a blog post that we shouldn't claim to have protection from God. Yes, absolutely we can claim it. Absolutely. 
No, you need to use wisdom. I'm using wisdom. I'm operating in my healing covenant. And so here it is. Three things that the devil tried to use to destroy Christ's ministry before it even began. And how did Christ have the power to respond? Because of his fasting and his prayer. What did it empower him to do? It to take the word of God like the sword of the spirit and cut down every temptation. And that's exactly what he did. So what's the fourth desire? What's the fourth appetite? It's the desires of the spirit. The desires of the spirit. One of the things you're going to find as we're in this time of prayer and fasting is that as you're praying, as you're fasting, the desires of the spirit are blooming in your heart. The desires of the spirit are what's coming into you. Your desires begin to conform to God's desires. In fact, that's what I believe a lot of times when the Bible says that uh, God will give us the desires of our heart. This is the book I wrote, Shawnee. Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting. God will give us the desires of our heart. He puts those desires there. That's why earlier today, if you were in the morning session, I said Romans 12, 2 is so vital. The Bible says, if you read that, Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to the spirit of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we don't transform, we will conform. And that's why what Jesus, what happens like, just like with the life of Jesus, the more we press into prayer, the more we press into fasting, the more we press into reading God's word, the more our heart conforms to his heart. The more my life conforms to the life of Christ, the more I become like Jesus. We used to sing songs about that when I was younger. Want to be like Jesus, want to be like Jesus. All I want is to be like him. We'd sing songs like that all the time. There was one, I can remember, we were singing it somewhere, and uh, the power of God was so strong. I was on the piano bench and playing on a grand piano. And as we, it was an old hymn in the same vein. And I'm sitting there playing, and the minister that was ministering came over, and he's singing, and I'm trying to sing it, and I'm playing. And he walked over to me, and the power of God hit me so hard, I fell backwards off the organ bench and just fell onto the ground. Just talking about being like Jesus. Being like Jesus, being like Jesus, being like Jesus. Conform to the image of his dear son. Hallelujah. That's what's happening to us. We're being conformed to the image of his dear son, Jesus. And so as we press in, this is the appetite we're chasing after. Not the desires of the flesh, not the desires of the eyes, not the pride of life, but the desires of the spirit. And that's why Paul wrote to the Galatians and said, if you will walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. If you'll walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And I'm telling you tonight, as we're getting ready to pray, God's got some big things planned for you. He's got some big things planned for your family, for your ministry, for your business. 2024 is going to be a record-breaking year. A record-breaking year for, for those of us that are pressing in, the faithful, the diligent. We're getting ready to see things open up that never have opened up before, ever. We're going to see things happen that have never happened before. It's going to be supernatural what God does. It's going to be supernatural what God does. And I'm telling you, prepare yourself 
for a banner year. Prepare yourself to be blown away by the goodness of God. I've been telling people, won't you be amazed if you get to the end of June and the half the year's over and you have to come up with all new prayer points because God's already answered all of your prayers in the first six months? Because it doesn't take God long to work. Doesn't take God long to move. Hallelujah. Love you, Ben. Doesn't take God long to work. Doesn't take God long to move. Glory to God. So let's spend, hopefully you've already done it, but hopefully you took your time of hour and prayer today, pressed in into the presence of God. But let's take the next few minutes at the end of this and just begin to press in together. I want you to join your faith with me right now. I want you to step out by faith and begin to declare the things that you're believing for. Declare the things you're asking God for and begin to speak it out by faith and say, Lord, I'll not be denied. I'm going to have what your word says. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to finish my course, run my race with strength. Hallelujah. It's going to be next level. So let's begin to pray together. Let's begin by praying in the Holy Ghost. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, just begin to thank God for his goodness in your own language. Come on. Baroste vivindia borra cadidiste quebraboyu. Rondo requiria das de bro de chica tema mala de nor. Pelivre vasto corro tosa quide debra bostanae. Repengi tebro dosha. Radalayo crocoste quiri andose. Rebaye riquetia costamba dalaye gri de busha fatanae. Brevondoro costaza. Egria dala show robonda lecre gis diaba. Marondo lo boste qui piche grogoro cosibri andala danedi. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've shown us. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We thank you that the eyes of our understanding are being enlightened, that we may know the hope of your glorious calling and the riches of your inheritance in the saints. We thank you that you're giving us a spirit of faith, a spirit of joy, a spirit of peace. Hallelujah. We're walking in a spirit of faith, a spirit of joy, and a spirit of peace, a spirit of faith a spirit of joy, and a spirit of peace. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we are looking forward to what you have prepared, what you have set aside. Tonight, I ask you in Jesus' name that you would speak to your people and that you would give them fresh ideas in this new year. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you to synchronize your mind with our mind. I pray in Jesus' name that we would receive a, div- a direct download from the Holy Ghost, that we, as we operate in the mind of Christ, you will show us things to do that we've never known to do before in Jesus' name. I pray for those that are watching, I'm asking you specifically tonight for business ideas for your people. Show them things to do that will bring in massive streams of income for the kingdom of God. I'm asking you now, just drop one God idea into our spirits. Just one thing that will open up the floodgates of your blessing into our lives. That we may preach this gospel. That we may see souls saved, people changed by the fire of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. I pray 
This would be the year. Maybe there are those that are watching, Lord, that they've had it in their heart to start their own business. I pray in the name of Jesus that this would be the year that you would empower them to start their own company, their own business. Let this be the year that they receive a next level promotion in the name of Jesus. Lord, as you've done with so many others, just spark one thought. Teach us, lead us, guide us by your power. Show us things we've never seen. Give us understanding of things that we've never known before because you have, we have access to your mind. We thank you that your word declares in Isaiah chapter 55 that your ways are higher than our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than our ways and your thoughts than our thoughts. And so, Lord, tonight, I'm asking you in 2024, give us access to your ways and to your thoughts in the name of Jesus Christ. Give us access to your ways and your thoughts in the name of Jesus Christ. I give you praise for that. You're showing us what we've never seen by the power of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. We have access to your ways and your thoughts. We thank you as your word declares in the book of Psalms that you made known your actions to the children of Israel, but you made known your ways unto Moses. Lord, right now, we don't want to just benefit from your actions. We want you to make your ways known unto us by the power of the Spirit of God. We thank you. Deuteronomy 29 and 29 says that the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever. Lord, reveal your secrets to us in 2024 in the name of Jesus. Reveal divine secrets to us in this new year. Let us see things by the Holy Ghost that open doors to new opportunities, that take us into increase, that take us into blessing in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that offers would come to your people that have never come to them before, as you did for one of my friends. And we had a, a whole company come and say, would you take over this company? Would you run this company? And made him the head of a company. I pray that opportunities and offers would come to your people this year in Jesus' name. I pray that contracts would come, those that are believing for more and more contracts for their business, that clients would come, that, that they would have more sales than they've ever had before. Commissions would come in, bonuses, benefits in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that your people would be the top performing people at every job that they have in Jesus' name that the company will look and say, here's somebody we cannot afford to lose. We need to give them a raise. We need to give them bonuses. We need to open doors for them. We need to promote them because the favor of heaven is upon our lives. I pray you do it swiftly, Lord. Do it in just three short months as you did with the Ark of the Covenant in Obed-Edom's house. He only protected the Ark for three short months. But when that time was over, the messenger came back to David and said, Obed-Edom and his entire household have been blessed. His wives are blessed. His livestock is blessed. His servants are blessed. Why? Because he guarded the anointing of God. I'm asking you do the same for us. In just three short months, turn everything around by the power of your spirit. In three short months, turn everything around 
by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm asking you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, to do what only you can do. Pour it out. Pour it out in Jesus' name. Just one favor after another. I'm asking you, make your children a spectacle this year. I pray you do things that put the eyes of the world on the church. Your word tells us that we are a city set on a hill. We're a light that cannot be hidden. And so, Lord, I pray, let us inhabit that hill this year so that the world is never looking down on us, but they're looking up to us by the power of your Spirit. Make our lives a spectacle and do what only you can do so that we can show the goodness of your ever, uh, never-ending and ever-redeeming kindness. We'll show it by practical example. People will see this is what God can do for his children because your word declares it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. So today, we're asking you to do the impossible by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Now, we thank you that the things we've prayed are quickly coming to pass in the name of Jesus Christ. The things we've prayed will be swiftly seen when we give you all the thanks, all the praise, all the glory. In Jesus' name, it's our year of open heavens. And if you believe it, throw some hands up in the comments, throw some fire up in the comments. Tonight, in the name of Jesus, we receive it. Hallelujah. We receive it. Glory to God. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.